guys. I am so excited to have today's guest on Emily from Emily Go Coaching. Um, she's a podcasting expert. I'll just read her bio real quick and then we'll get into it. And also, I will just mention that this is my first ever in-person podcast interview, which is really, really fun. Let's see if I can stay on track. Um, so Emily Goff <laughs> is a podcasting and business coach and host of Room to Grow podcast, a space for open, honest, and real discussions about tough lessons learned in life and entrepreneurship when thrown in the unexpected. And the podcast is consistently featured in the top 200 worldwide in its category. That's amazing. <laughs> Emily helps entrepreneurs launch their podcasts and leverage their personal stories to positively impact others with purpose. I'm so excited to have you, and we have so much to get into today. We're going to keep this episode mostly about podcasting, but you also were just in Bali, and you have just a really interesting story, so we're going to get all into that. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is so funny, and for anyone who is listening to this, I'm sure that you also follow Amy's stories. So it was really weird because Amy saw that I was in the area and she said, we'd already agreed that we were going to do a podcast anyway. And then we were like, well, why not do it in person? And when I was coming up the street, I, I said to Amy, I was like, I literally recognized which apartment building year was <laughs> just by your Instagram stories. I'm like, oh, it must be that one. I walked in and I'm like, I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> Instagram's really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is a weird place. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to just pick your brain on all things podcasting because I get a lot of questions about this since I started my podcast. I feel like I was a little bit late to the game of starting. It seems like everybody and their mother has a podcast <laughs> right now. But I personally, and I want to hear your input on this, I personally feel like it's a great time to get in. Like, what do you think about that? What do you think about people saying like, oh, it's too late. Everybody's already doing that. Such a good question. And it's funny because I totally get that feeling. Except that when you look at the numbers, there's over 50 million YouTube channels. There's over 400 million blogs. And there's only 750,000 podcasts right now. So there is massive room for expansion. And I know right now it feels like everyone's starting a podcast because it's sort of like a hot topic. Because a lot of people have YouTube channels because they've probably had them for so long. They just don't actually talk about them that much anymore. So whereas podcasts, everyone is just talking about it right now. So it seems like there's a lot more than there actually are. It's in its infancy stage. There is still massive room for growth, for expansion. And I personally think that there is tons of space for way more podcasts. The other thing is too, is that uh, most people listen to an average of six or seven different shows too, which is really encouraging because it's not like we're just listening to one show, latching onto it, and we we aren't ever tuning into anything else. So we're all usually listening to multiple different shows, which means that as new ones come out, then we're going to end up tuning into those as well to learn something different or to go to someone else for a different opinion or a different view on things, a different perspective. Uh, so that's kind of the nice part about podcasting is that there's so much space in the market for that. I love it. <laughs> I completely agree. And we'll get into that more. I'm going to like take a step back and ask you a little bit more about like your story first. But I just feel like this is the best time. I'm only like what 20 something episodes in and just the response that I've gotten from my audience. It seems like podcasting is a lot more personal or something. I'm not really sure. I'm like trying to like reverse engineer what's happening because it seems like I'm getting a lot more people reaching out and like asking me personal things and you know, telling me about their life and their situation. And I wasn't really getting that from YouTube. I mean, Instagram a little bit, but still like, I feel like that is not as much as it used to be. And so I don't know, podcasting is just really exciting me right now. Okay, just a little side note, you guys too, before I ask Emily a little bit more about her story. It's so funny, because 
obviously, like I mentioned, this is my first in-person podcast. So I'm having like all of these tech issues <laughs> and she's just being so nice and like helping me with everything. I'm like, you know, you just have to be okay with, I was actually listening to another podcast about this this morning about like just being okay with like not being great when you first start. Like, how are you ever going to have, you know, a top 200 podcast if you don't ever have like a first kind of shitty <laughs> interview exactly. you know what I mean so and I always say to people like no podcaster ever has said oh please go back to listen to episode one it was my best one yeah <laughs> no one has ever one. said that all, all been downhill like YouTube then. like nobody has ever said that about anything that they did for the very first time <laughs> yeah completely agree okay so let's talk a little bit more about like you and your story you were recently in Bali, right yes and so what made you decide to move there and what were you doing there and I was living for your story. So just tell me all the things. <laughs> so you and I originally connected because I started in the holistic nutrition field and we kind of connected that way. We've known each other for what, a couple of years? Now? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, via Instagram. Yeah, so this course. is the first time meeting a person, but yes. And then I, about a year ago, I sort of was feeling a huge amount of resistance to all the nutrition stuff. It was just, it was like, if I needed to come up with a webinar, I had all this knowledge in my head, but if it came down to actually putting it out there, I felt completely stuck. I'm like, wait, what, <laughs> what do I talk about? <laughs> and I was feeling so much resistance that I couldn't really figure out why. And by that point I had launched two separate podcasts. I had an old podcast with a co-host and then she and I had ended it. I had launched uh, room to grow podcast, my current one on my own. And so many, <laughs> so many people, <laughs> You guys, I was trying to film. I'm just going to leave this in because it's funny. I was trying to to film our podcast with my phone and it just fell out of its case. So we're just having all the tech you're issues. Not, you're not getting any behind the scenes of this no, one. I'm no, no behind the scenes there. Sorry. Okay, please we'll take some photos or yeah. something. <laughs> um, yeah. So I launched two different podcasts and a lot of people started coming to me asking all kinds of questions. They're like, have you done this? I've wanted to just launch one how are you making this happen? I was like, oh, you know, sometimes you have those moments where you don't actually realize how good you are at something and how passionate you are about something until like other people ask you about it and you realize how much it lights you up. And I was just lighting up when it came to that and in a way that I was not at all about nutrition coaching. So I started to very slowly transition into podcasting and business coaching. And then last Christmas Eve, I found out that my partner of nine years had been having an affair off and on for our entire nine years together. And I found out when his previous girlfriend, the one that he had been unfaithful to me with, uh, came banging down our door on Christmas Eve. And I ended the relationship right away. And I knew right away that I was going to take off and travel, but we had some loose ends to tie up first. We had some renovations to do on the house, get the house sold, all of that. So I picked up and left for Bali about six months ago. And I only planned on staying for six weeks. And then I had another whole portion of the trip planned, like Australia, New Zealand, all these different things. And I just fell in love with Bali. And I I stayed, it stole my heart right away. And I ended up staying for nearly six months off and on. And it just, I could feel my energy being pulled there. And I know that you and I are very similar, like we really kind of believe in the woo side of things. And you can just feel it when, when you're being drawn somewhere. And Bali absolutely did that for me. Um, then I ended up coming out publicly with, with my story, which I knew, uh, right away that I would. And the response has just been 
unreal. And when you were talking earlier about the connection that podcasting gives, this is why I'm so passionate about podcasting, because it's really intimate to be speaking straight into somebody's earbuds. And you are going with people on their daily activities. But you can't do that with a video. Like no one is, you know, driving to work while watching a YouTube video in front of their face because it's impossible. So instead, we're with people in their ears while they're walking the dog, while they're cooking, while they're commuting to work. You know, you have those moments sometimes where you can remember something that somebody said and the exact place that you were when you heard it. Podcasting, I've had that experience so many times with podcasting, and I've never had that with something like a YouTube video. Like, oh, I was in this exact spot in my kitchen when I learned this. <laughs> For some reason, with podcasting is completely different. So the connection that can be established with podcasting, and especially when you share really vulnerable stuff like that, the response has just been incredible. I still have people coming into my DMs weekly, pouring out their stories to me. And that can be a little bit tough sometimes from an energy standpoint, but I'm also so appreciative of it because it's just amazing that people trust me enough to open up that way. Like people will tell me things that I don't think that they're telling many other people in their lives. And to reach out to me as a stranger on the internet because they feel so strongly about something that they resonated with me over on my podcast is just fascinating. Like it's such a cool space. That's so amazing. And yeah, exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head because something about like the ability to maybe multitask or like take a podcast with you as you're cleaning your house or as you're taking care of your kids or whatever else you're doing, it kind of like makes you feel like you actually have a personal relationship with that person that's talking to you. And then I also, I don't know if you notice this on your end, like when you're podcasting, I feel like it's a lot easier to be a lot more vulnerable on a podcast than when I'm on video. And I don't know what it is, maybe because like on video, I'm like, is my hair looking okay, whatever. And podcasting, I can just, you know, show up and talk about whatever. Like, do you do you notice that too? I think so too, because like, I think we can get distracted by our environment or especially as women, we often get distracted by like, oh, my hair is in my face or like readjusting or whatever. Whereas I can just record my pajamas and nobody notices. Like, (laughs) so there's none of that extra stuff. And even just as the viewer, I think we ourselves can often be distracted by those types of things. Like how somebody's hair is falling. Mm -hmm. If it's like covering their face in a certain way and we're like, wait, you know, I wish they would tuck their hair behind their ear, you know? And, or, or what's, what's that thing happening behind her head? Like (laughs) what's going on back there? But there's all these types of things that we just eliminate that distraction completely when it's just the audio and we strip away all the bullshit. And what we're left with is like the raw vulnerable emotion. And you can hear that vulnerability in somebody's voice. And I think that we connect to that on a much deeper level when we aren't distracted by the extra stuff that video often comes with. 100%. And by the way, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but if somebody wants to go back and listen to, because we're not going to get super in depth about the affair, but do you know the podcast episode of Room to Grow that they could check out? Yes. Episode and I will 117. Also okay. Episode 117. And I will also link to it in the show notes if you guys want to listen to that. So did you notice like a big spike in traffic or like exposure after you recorded that? Massively. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. It's a juicy story and people want to know. And for anyone who wants to go listen to the episode, there are a lot of details that I won't even bother getting into here that are jaw dropping other than just <laughs> the affair itself. <laughs> so for anyone who wants to go listen to that, you know, feel free to go check it out. And then there's a lot of related episodes in terms of like lessons I've pulled and, and continue to pull from that experience. But it 
gained a lot of attention. And that was what kind of catapulted me into the top 200. But to be completely honest, I thought that was temporary. I was like, oh, it's just because of this one episode. People are like paying attention to it and whatever. And then I've, I'm not there like every single week, but I'm very consistent for months now. I've consistently stayed in the top 200 in various countries all over the world ever since then. And I think that it just kind of drew people in, in a way that then they start connecting with my other episodes. And yeah, it's been pretty significant to watch. But what I want to stress too, is that in order to see success with your podcast, you don't have to have some massively dramatic story either. It is still going to take time. That whole idea of overnight success is bullshit anyway, but nobody is going to start a podcast and see ridiculous over the top numbers on your first day. It's like your first episode isn't going to be your best one either. It's going to take time. And the best thing that I can usually offer to people is to be consistent. When you're consistent with it, just like anything else, people will notice. And that helps to really build trust with your audience because people are expecting you to show up at a certain day, at a certain time. And if you can't even show up for them when you say you're going to, why would they be willing to pay you for a service that you offer? Because are you going to show up for them? Like they don't know, right? So podcast is a really great way to build trust with your audience because you're showing that consistency. You're showing your work ethic. Essentially, you are showing your reliability and you're offering value every week and it's free. So if you're coming to the table with that much for free, what are you going to be offering people when it's time to pay? Like, that's going to be amazing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that's such a good point. Yeah. And I think to what you said about like, you don't have to have like a super dramatic story. I think that's what I hear a lot. Like a lot of people are like, well, I, you know, I didn't really come from humble beginnings or I don't have this like dramatic success story. I think the best thing is to just figure out what your story is and maybe even a couple brand stories and like how that can really tie into your entire business. So like, I'm sure that event led you to traveling, which I'm sure changed your entire business and like did all these other things. And it's not like, you know, that's what your business is about necessarily, but it's something personal about you that really probably builds this connection with people almost immediately. And maybe that's not why they came to your podcast in the first place, but that's what connected them to you. And now they're going to continue to show up week after week. So I think that's also just really amazing that you were able to be that vulnerable because I just, I don't know a lot of people that would have been able to share that. Were you really, were you really scared or like, were you like, I have to share this? Oh, that's a great question. And thank you, by the way. Um, I knew right away that I would need to discuss it. Um, It felt like it was going to be a really important part of my healing because I'd also been lied to for so many years, unknowingly that it, it felt like I had been living a lie as well. Again, unknowingly, like, and I'm, I'm a really honest person. So to find that out was kind of a crushing blow that I felt like I'd been living this fake life essentially. And it wasn't really like, you know, the aspects of it that involved me seemed very real but it really threw me for a loop and made me question my own identity. So it felt really important for me to talk about it, but I was still very nervous the day that it came out. And because it was in Bali time, I released it just after midnight Eastern Standard Time. So I knew that most of North America was sleeping. I wasn't going to hear it for a while. And I had to distract myself. I was like, having a little bit of an emotional hangover. I, I booked myself a spa date at Ammo uh, in Changu. I had to keep myself occupied. <laughs> and then I watched the reactions start to come in. And it was like, just this huge 
outpouring. And my entire thing with coming forward with it was if this can impact even one person in a really significant way and help them to feel less alone or less isolated in a situation that involves a topic that is fairly taboo, that a lot of us don't like to talk about because there's a huge amount of shame associated with it, then that is the entire reason why I came forward. And that has really triggered what has always been my core value with the podcast, which is impact. So dramatic story or not, long before that, I was already over 100 episodes deep talking about things that were really important to me that I felt were really sometimes tough topics, tough conversations to have that I wanted to have an impact. So that same value carried through just in a little bit of a different story. And since that story, I still come up with all kinds of things that aren't nearly as dramatic, It just, but still with impact at the forefront of everything that I do. And I think that that's a really important place to come from, because if you're always focused on numbers and charts and dollars, and if you just look at the numbers all the time, you're never going to get anywhere. And that's also not going to get you out of bed in the morning. And it's, it's going to be incredibly frustrating <laughs> when those numbers don't come like exactly when you want them to, or when you expect them to, you have to have a deeper purpose and meaning to propel you forward in what you're doing. If you want to see the success and that paired with consistency is what is going to make you in the long term. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, obviously what I've experienced and what I've shared on my podcast, like is not anything near like that level of, I'm sure like what you had to go through and sharing that, like I'm sure it took so much more, but even times when I'm kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to share this. Is this too personal? And then just even one person reaches out to me and is like, thank you for telling me that. Cause it makes me feel like, you know, I can start where I'm at and I don't have to have things perfect and anything like that. And I'm like, Oh my God, that just gives me the chills and makes me, you know, want to keep showing up and doing this. So it's like, you never know who you could be helping just by sharing your story. As long as it feels, you know, like you feel like it's something you want to do. It's definitely going to help people. Okay. So we're going to pivot. Well, not really, because we're still talking about podcasts, (laughs) but I wanted to get into a lot of the kind of frequently asked questions or like fears that a lot of people have about starting a podcast that I know I heard a lot of these rumors about what starting a podcast looked like. And it honestly prevented me from starting for like three years. And I'm like, you know, everything happens for a reason (laughs) in the right timing, but I'm like, I should have just started when I wanted to start. But I hear a lot that like, it's really hard to start a podcast or it takes a ton of time. I'm in a couple different podcasting groups on Facebook. And I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, they spend, I don't even know, maybe eight hours plus a week with the planning and the recording and the editing, and it's not growing and they're not monetizing. Like, did you hear a lot about that? Or what would you say to somebody who is fearful that it's going to take them a ton of time and it's going to take them 10 years to see any return from it? I think that part of the big issue with that is that we build it up to be kind of like what you said, we build it up to be so much worse (laughs) in our heads. And then when we actually go to do the work, it ends up being easier than we thought. And one thing that people usually come to me with the most fear about is editing. I'm like, first of all, you can outsource it, but that's not financially feasible for everyone. And at the moment, I still do my own editing just because I've gotten so fast at it that it actually would take me less time to do it myself than to like send it to somebody else and have them send it back and like all those things. So the editing and GarageBand, I use GarageBand and it looks like a very scary tool when you open it. It's like buttons everywhere. It's like, oh my God, what is happening? (laughs) And once you learn it, even just 
even just editing a couple different episodes, you'll get the hang of it. And you'll be like, what was I so afraid of? Like, I just want to promise everyone it is not as hard as you think. I swear that it isn't. Yeah. And that's a really big one is the editing. But overall, there's just a lot of, for reference, my first podcast, I launched with a co-host and she and I, from start to finish, launched it within six weeks. That was two of us. We were both also working full-time jobs. So it wasn't like we were spending hours a day on it. And then my second podcast, I launched by myself in three weeks. And I could have done it in less. I could have done it in a week if I wanted to. So there's so much stuff that we let ourselves get held back on, even things like uh, which microphone to use. I've seen people get stuck on that for months at a time. They're like, I don't know which mic. I'm like, just pick one on Amazon and you're good to go. <laughs> or use your earbuds. Like you and I were talking about this before. Like I still use my earbuds sometimes, especially traveling and stuff. My microphone has gotten kind of bumped around. So I use my earbuds. No one has complained and my sound is perfectly fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be harsh when it comes to this, but like, if you are putting off starting a podcast because you think, you know, I don't have the right microphone yet, that is an excuse. Just use your headphones. And that's the first couple. I mean, if you want to re-listen to the first couple episodes of this podcast, I used my own headphones and I edited it myself and I didn't, you know, I didn't put any music in. I didn't really, I don't think I did an intro. And it's just like, if you can think, you know, every single episode, if I can make it 1% better than the last one, then you are going to eventually be an expert. (laughs) Yes. um, But speaking (laughs) of the other software, so you said GarageBand to do you record and edit in GarageBand? I do. Unless it's an interview, then I'll use Zoom, an online interview. I mean, as opposed to in person, like you and I are doing it. And Audacity is the other software that you can use. Uh, I personally don't use it just because I have a Mac and GarageBand comes standard on the Mac, but Audacity is free as well. So if you have a Windows or if you just, if you have a Mac and you prefer not to use GarageBand, you can use Audacity as well. Very similar layout, also looks a little scary when you open it, but (laughs) very similar in terms of usage and editing and all that stuff. So that's always an option too. Okay, cool. And then what about platform? And I'm interested to hear what you say about this, because I know there's a lot of different, like, I think Podbean is one of them. I'm not even sure what the other ones are I know, there's like like Buzzsprout, uh, all kinds of different ones. A lot of people use Anchor. That can be a great way to start and it's totally free. I have had a couple clients who've had a couple issues with Anchor. So I personally don't advise it uh, necessarily, but you can, because I also know people who have been fine with it. But I've just seen a couple things on it that I'm not super thrilled with. I personally use Libsyn. And to me, that seems to be kind of like the gold standard in the podcasting world. So for anyone who doesn't know a lot, and I thought this too, before I got into it was that when I did a podcast, I was like, okay, do I upload it straight to iTunes? Is that how this works? And instead, what you do is you set yourself up on one of these platforms like Anchor, Libsyn, Buzzsprout, Podbean, there's all kinds of, I think, Blueberry, there's all kinds of different ones. You set up your account on Libsyn, And I think it starts at $5 a month US. And then you just continue to go up depending on how much storage space you need. So how much you're uploading per month. And then you just set up accounts on places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all those things. And then it connects it with Libsyn. So there's a way to walk you through how to connect everything here. And then you just upload everything to Libsyn or whatever platform you choose. And then those other places all know to talk to Libsyn. So as soon as you upload it, then it will pick it up. And then that's where it appears on Apple, Spotify, all those different places. 
All right, you guys, taking a quick break from this episode to talk to you about podcasting. I know, very meta, right? But I don't know if many of you feel like I did before I started Wealthy, Worthy, and Wild. I thought about starting my own podcast for so many years and I just kept talking myself out of it. So if you feel a similar way that I did, if you've been thinking about starting your own podcast, but you have no idea where to start or what you'd even talk about, you're fearful of putting yourself out there in such a public way and you hate the sound of your own voice. Ugh, I totally still deal with this, by the way. You wonder if it's too late to start because there are already so many podcasts out there. You wonder if you can actually monetize a podcast without a huge audience and if it'll even be worth your time. Well, I have something very special for you. Podcasting expert Emily Goff and I have partnered together to bring you an epic free training that is no pitch, all value on how to start a profitable podcast in 2020. So in this free video training, you're going to learn the number one way to build a loyal audience quickly so that your podcast is successful. You're going to learn the basic steps to building your podcast from scratch so you can launch with confidence. You're going to learn how adding a podcast to your online business can increase your visibility, your authority, and your income. And you're going to learn the right way to build relationships in the podcast space so that you can really scale your podcast and grow your audience in an authentic way. I'm so excited for you guys to join this free training. All you have to do to get it is head over to rebelnutrition.com forward slash start a podcast. Again, that is rebelnutrition.com forward slash start a podcast. And it's also going to be linked up in the show notes if it's easier for you to just click there. Okay, let's get back into the show. It's also much more efficient in case you're thinking in your head, like, well, wait, I'm going to have to upload to like five different places. You definitely don't. You upload it to one and then it just ends up going everywhere else you want it to be so that people can find you no matter what type of phone or device they're using. I think that was one of the things that really kind of scared me about it too. And I heard that it, you know, took a really long time to get approved on iTunes and or Apple Podcasts, I mean. And I was like, oh, all of this stuff sounds so scary. But so I actually use Anchor, which you did mention is free and it comes on like Apple products. I'm curious just for my own. So if you have an Apple product and you're thinking about using Anchor, which is a free platform that will distribute everything and it actually distributes all of it and gets you approved pretty much automatically. I'm just curious, do you know of any possible downsides in the future having it on Anchor? It depends how Anchor chooses to make money moving forward. And I think that monetization, like direct monetization of podcasts is something that we're going to see shifting a lot in 2020. Right now, how I usually, and I'll, I'll circle back to the Anchor thing in just a sec. Right now, how I'm suggesting a lot of people monetize is by sending people to their own products, coaching, affiliate links, whatever it is they're going to use to make money that way. So it's considered a little bit more indirect monetization as opposed to ads and sponsorships. Because when you go that route, first of all, those types of things usually require huge download numbers. So if if you're just starting out and you're spending all your time stressing about getting ads or sponsors to pay for it, you're wasting your energy because a lot of those companies aren't even going to be interested in you right away until you can kind of prove that you've got the numbers to back it up, basically. The other thing with that too, is that it's coming back to a trust thing, right? Like you want to make absolutely sure that you're lining up with brands that you 100% support and that your brand is in alignment with. And if anything changes with that company or they shift things and you aren't staying on top of it, you just don't notice and you're not aware of it. You're a busy entrepreneur. You've got other things going on. You might not be thrilled with 
whoever, like whichever company you're having sponsor you to. So that can be a little bit tricky. So I always tell people to go the more indirect monetization route. In the future, though, you could be looking at companies like Anchor introducing ads and not giving you any control over it because it's a free platform. Mm. So then they can start introducing ads on your podcast to anyone who's listening on that platform because they control it. So then you're losing an aspect of that control. And personally, I would rather protect that a little bit more. That's not to say that that is going to be Anchor's plan. So I can't, I can't speak to that. Time will tell what they do. It's just that when it's a free platform, they have to find ways to make money. So they will be coming out with various ways of doing this. It's just a matter of how they go about it, essentially. So that's where, you know, when you're having ads come on and you don't have a choice about what ad it is at all, most people that are protective of their brands, I wouldn't want that for my brand at all. So that's just something to be aware of. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up too about the monetization of your podcast. Because again, going back to this podcast group, I mean, I see a lot of people that are saying like, you know, I've been doing my podcast for how many ever years and I'm still not monetizing. And my initial thought is like, well, what are you doing to monetize? Because just like, you know, in anything related to your online business, if you let's say you create an awesome course and you put it up on your website and then you just you know, wait for people to find it. Like that's probably not going to work very well. Same thing with a podcast. If you, maybe your content is amazing, but if you don't have sort of a plan in place that you're in control of, of how you're going to monetize that, I mean, eventually brands might come to you and, you know, ask for you to do an ad spot for them, but it's probably not going to be till you have, like you said, a lot of downloads or they're going to have specific guidelines for you that you can't really take in whatever direction. So even if you're just starting out, let's say all you have is, one-on-one coaching that you're offering, or you have some sort of freebie or some sort of digital guide that you want people to download, like just record your own ad spot. I mean, that's what I've been doing and it's actually been working quite well. So I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to mention on that, like being able to start monetizing indirectly, of course, that way, but it's totally, I think it's a great way to like start generating more traffic to, even if it's just your email list, but start growing your audience that way. I think so too. Yeah. Like recording your own ad spots, you can absolutely do that. And like, I mean, Amy, you know this and you teach this better than most people that internet marketing is marketing. Like online business is marketing. It's like 90% marketing. (laughs) So you can build out the greatest thing in the world, but if nobody knows about it, they're not going to pay you for it because they just don't even know it exists. So that's the thing is that I think sometimes we, we get very shy about talking about it, or you and I were talking about before how sometimes we can get sick of hearing ourselves say the same thing over and over again. We're like, oh my God, I've said this 10,000 times, but somebody else might just be hearing it for the very first time. Or even someone who follows you very closely in your own audience, they might hear you say it in passing, but it could literally be that 50th time that it clicks. And they're like, oh yeah, Amy has that thing that I really want to learn about that free offer, I better go grab that. And then that leads you into a course or coaching of some kind or whatever. There's so many different ways to do this, but ultimately you want to be sending people back to your own website, your own stuff, your own products, your own everything. And that's how you will end up making money. And again, just like building up your your podcast in terms of download numbers and stuff like that, it's all about time. I know that that's not the sexy answer, (laughs) but it is just going to take time and consistency. And it's a long game. Podcasting is absolutely a long game. If you're going to do it, you have to be prepared to show up for it and to show up for your people for the long term. Because if you're going to get sick of it in 
three months, four months. And I also always tell people when they start, I'm especially with clients, I'm like, be prepared for the dip. Because when you launch, it's exciting and everybody's paying attention. They're like, oh my God, you, you have this cool new thing. What is this? And then you hit a bit of a lull. And it's like, Jesus, am I still talking about this? <laughs> How am I still going? I feel like nobody's listening. I'm screaming into the void. Like, and, and you just hit this, this lull. And I'm never one to tell people to push through resistance if it really doesn't feel right. But there's also certain things like anything in life where it's, the means to an end. And you know that it will get better, that more people will tune in and stuff like that. Even if it doesn't feel like that right this second, you have to push through it. So I just always try and prepare people. I'm like, yes, the launch is super exciting and you should be excited. It's it's a celebration. Just be prepared, like hold some of that energy over because you're going to need it probably in, in a few weeks or a couple months when it kind of feels like a lull. And then it's peaks and valleys. You'll end up coming back up again and it'll all be good. I think that's why having something that is truly a passion for you and you're not doing it just because you're like, well, I really I really need to hit six figures this year. So I better start a podcast because that's what all the marketing people are telling me to do. <laughs> it's like, make sure tune in with yourself and make sure that like, I mean, there are going to be times when it's probably not that fun to stay consistent and you don't want to show up and it's hard. Yeah. But if ultimately it feels like the right thing for you and you really want to do it and you want to try it out, then I say go for it. So I'm also curious what your thoughts are, like people who are starting, when it comes to like picking a niche for your podcast, like do you think that's something that people should do in order to like stand out more and get found with their podcast? Or do you think it's okay to just sort of like talk about whatever you want? I don't know what your thoughts are on that. You know, it's funny. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit, kind of on both sides of the fence with this because one of the things that I love about podcasting is that it seems to give to me anyway, much more creative freedom than some other areas of online business where you should be niched down much more. And it's not to say like you should still be speaking to your niched audience overall. But I think that within sort of the confines of podcasting, you can expand a little bit more than you maybe would in other areas like social media or your courses or something like that. Um, something else to think about too, is that when you're choosing your, your categories, when you're selecting them like an Apple podcast and all that type of stuff, it's great to be in certain categories like you know, business or entrepreneurship or whatever, but some of those categories are just a lot bigger than others. So you can choose up to three different categories. So there's your primary, your secondary, and then your, your third category. And my primary category is mental health because mental health is a little bit smaller, but it also ties in with everything that I'm talking about because I do talk about a huge amount of mental health and relationship stuff. So if everyone goes to just start something either in the business category or the nutrition category, nutrition, fitness, that type of thing. Those are much bigger categories. They're much noisier. There's a lot happening in those spaces. It's not to say that you shouldn't do them. That's just something to take into consideration when you're choosing your different categories. If you especially have interest in something that's maybe just a little bit outside of that, what category does that look like? And kind of explore that category a little bit to see what that looks like and to see how you're going to fit into that it still has to be honest. It still has to, you know, tie in with everything that you're doing because otherwise no one's going to find you on Apple anyway under that category. But yeah, I do think that as much as you want to have kind of your, your ideal person in mind when you're speaking on a podcast, 
you can be a little bit more open and a little bit more broad on a podcast, I find. I completely agree. And I think that's even the more important thing than niching down is knowing really specifically who the person you're speaking to is, because we're all so multifaceted. Everybody's interested in a variety of different things. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but I listen to like so many different podcasts and they all are around like on all of the most random topics. Some of them are completely different. And so I know personally, the person that I'm talking to is probably like a nutritionist or a health coach. And yeah, she's trying to build her business, but she might also be interested in human design, or she might also be interested in manifestation. She might also sometimes want to watch Real Housewives, you know, like stuff (laughs) like that. So I think it's, if you're clear about who you're talking to, I think you can still have success by like bringing on guests that talk about other areas because everybody is interested in multiple things. Yeah. And it's so funny too, because I introduced uh, business episodes into the mix as well as like my usual episodes. And a lot of the people who had already been on board who don't even necessarily have businesses are loving my business episodes, (laughs) which is so funny to me. So I'm like, you know, once you kind of establish yourself and people get to know you a little bit, it's like you said, Amy, like we're all multi-passionate, we're all multi-dimensional And podcasting really gives you that freedom to sort of speak a little bit more to more of your own interests that are also going to appeal to other people and like bring people in in different ways. I think that helps build your personal brand a lot too. I think so Like when people know more things about you than just, oh, this is the woman that teaches about online courses. Like I want people to feel like I'm actually their friend and they know about me and I'm not just like some business lady on the internet. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay, awesome. So I'm also curious, your process, do you plan out your podcast in advance? Like, do you make an outline? I know I tune into some podcasts where it sounds like they're kind of reading a script, which is fine. And I feel like that probably would work well for some people. And then obviously some other people like myself, if it's not, if it's not obvious already, just kind of off the cuff, like what do you do? And what would you recommend for somebody who's starting? I think that for anyone who's starting, I never want people to get dependent on a script because that's sort of a dangerous line to walk. Because if you start doing just scripts and like, I'm talking like full scripts, you're probably going to find that it's hard to ever get away from that because you're never going to build the trust in yourself to survive the episode without script. (laughs) That makes sense. So I usually just have like notes made with like bullet points and stuff like that of the main things that I want to cover. But I also do a lot of off the cuff stuff as well. Um, But again, that comes with practice. So you might have a few more notes when you're just starting out and then you sort of expand into trusting yourself to allow kind of your inner voice to come through a little bit more on the podcast without being so dependent on notes. When it comes to things like interviews, I usually have a handful of, again, sort of like key questions that I want to make absolutely sure I hit on. But other than that, I really like to let the conversation flow because it comes much more naturally and you can kind of go down different rabbit holes that can be super interesting that wouldn't have necessarily been in your list of questions too. But it turns into this amazing, beautiful conversation. So I love like some notes, but don't be super dependent on your notes. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And just like anything in business in general, like it does get easier with time. I'm just thinking back to like when I did my first ever Facebook live, I literally typed out the entire script because I was so nervous. And when I get nervous, I kind of like blank on what I'm going to say. So if you're that type of person, maybe start with more of an outline or a script. And then like, as you practice, you'll probably get better and you'll probably be able to you know, just go off of bullet points or something after that. Totally. To sound yeah, more it will get easier. I want to assure anyone out there who's just sorry, it will get easier. I promise. 
Okay. Do you have any tips for organic growth of your podcast? Like, is there anything if somebody maybe just started their podcast or if they're thinking about it and they have a small audience and they're like, how do I reach more people? Do you have any sort of growth strategies for that? Such a good question. So my usual sort of go-to on this is publicity overall. And the best part about publicity is that it's free. So you don't have to pay Mark Zuckerberg. You don't like do any of that. <laughs> but this is going to take like, again, some time and effort. So reaching out to be a guest on other podcasts is a really great one because when people are listening to you and they're already on their podcast app, it's super easy for them to just whip out their phone. They're already on the app and then they just go look up your podcast and hit subscribe. So that's a great way to do it. Um, doing even things like like guest blog posts. I know that that almost seems like ancient practice now, <laughs> but it definitely still works, especially with things like Pinterest and stuff that can then drive traffic that way. I really think that being a guest on other people's platforms and getting in front of other people that way. Instagram lives can be really great. Facebook lives. Um, reaching out to maybe other coaches to be maybe a guest in their group if they have a coaching group or a mastermind of some kind, something like that. And what all of this kind of is a part of is connection and collaboration. And I think that there's so much power in that. And for anyone who is kind of on the fence too about bringing guests onto their own podcast, I like having guests. I also tell people to make sure that you're still doing solo episodes as well, because you want people to get to know you on a deeper level. And a lot of times people typically will start a podcast where they have only guests if they're very nervous about speaking on their own, which I totally get because my first podcast, when I had a co-host, when I went from that to solo, I was blanking. I was like, Oh my God, nobody's responding to me. What, what do I do? So I, I have all kinds of like strategies on how to kind of learn how to start to do solo podcasts, but guests can be great because when you bring on guests and they're going to promote to their audience as well. So it's about you getting in front of other people on your own and bringing other people onto yours. When it comes to guests, I want to have a bit of a caveat to this. People will let the number of Instagram followers of a potential guest either intimidate them so that they won't reach out at all, or they'll only reach out based on number of followers. And both of those are a mistake because a lot of times when people have much bigger audiences, for one thing, they might have a much more full like launch calendar or schedule plan that they just might not be able to promote your joint podcast episode nearly as much as you would like them to. So it might not benefit you nearly as much as you think. And a lot of times people who have really small audiences actually will promote the most because they simply don't have quite as many things happening necessarily. And they're really excited to be on somebody else's podcast and they're going to promote the shit out of it. So don't let those numbers intimidate you or scare you away or draw you in only based on the numbers, because a lot of people are looking to be on more podcasts right now. That's kind of the hottest thing right now is everyone wants to be on podcast interview. So you can reach out to people with really big audiences and you might be shocked at the number of people who say yes as well. So don't let those numbers throw you off and don't put so much weight on the numbers. Reach out to people that you are genuinely interested in, that you truly connect with them in some way. You, you really connect with their message. You think that they're a really great fit for your audience. Base it off of that. And that is what is going to see the most success for both you and the guest. And then their people are going to be like, wow, that was a really great interview. And, and look at all these cool things Amy's doing. I'm going to go connect with her too, because she's got some awesome stuff going on. So that's something that's really important to consider. That's a really good point. And I feel like, like you said, everybody kind of sees the value in podcasting now, which is really cool. And to your point, I have 
reluctantly reached out to a few people who I'm like, oh, they for sure are not going to say yes, or they're probably not even going to respond to me. And they're like, yes, sure. Like, send me your calendar. And I'm like, are you kidding? I know. And it's kind of crazy (laughs) because I think it's more exposure for them. I mean, even if you have a huge audience, if somebody's reaching out and is like, hey, I have this, maybe it's small, but I have this platform. I'm going to let you be the expert in front of my whole audience for free. And it's like you said, free publicity. I mean, why would you say no to that? So I think that's just one of the great ways. And like you said, guest blog posting does seem kind of archaic, but I think it still works. But guest podcasting, I feel like is definitely where it's at right now. Still and the gold standard yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like blogs can still be awesome, especially if it's something that's particularly well trafficked. But yes, if you can get podcast spots, just don't be discouraged if you get a lot of no's, especially at first, because as you get more experience, you'll just be more comfortable podcasting in general. And then that's going to be much more appealing to someone else who's going to have you on their episode as well. Okay, next question. And then we are going to talk about your podcasting course, which I'm really excited about. (laughs) Do you think that the name really matters? Like, are people going to be finding you because of the name? Should you this is like five questions in one, but like, should you be specific around like keywords in your name so that the right people find it? Or should you be creative? Like, what are your thoughts on naming your podcast? So it's funny because mine, mine is called room to grow, which is basically no keywords at all. (laughs) (laughs) But I love my podcast name because I chose it with this exact purpose that it would allow me room to grow. And I have really grown into it and I have changed it a little bit and altered some things and added some things. So it's worked really well for me. But on the other side of that, some keywords can be great. Pat Flynn is a great example. His is smart passive income. So all of those things combined, like people are searching for things like passive income and all that type of stuff. And I think his actually technically has a longer form version where it involves words like marketing and and business and stuff like that. Um, Amy Porterfield is a great example. Online business made easy. People are looking for things like online business. So there are great examples of that, but mine is doing really well without any keywords too. So the other thing that you have to remember too, is that I really like titling individual episodes in a way that it incorporates keywords. And then when you're in the platform where you submit the, the podcast episode, it also gives you an option for subtitle too. And Apple podcast doesn't have the greatest search engine right now. It's pretty weak but they are taking steps to make it better. And I'm sure that we'll just continue to see improvements in that area. The only reason why I'm singling out Apple is because that's still where the majority of people listen to podcasts. And they're really starting to shift things to help improve some of those search engine capabilities. So title things in a way that still makes logical sense. I never want people to like make things super keyword heavy, but then you look at the title and you're like, what does that even mean? So it still needs to be logical. It needs to make sense. But absolutely, you can still end up coming up in searches when you use certain keywords. Just make sure that it's lining up with the episode that you're coming out with and that everything makes sense that way. So in your opinion, just to clarify, you think like the title of the episode is probably more important than the name of the podcast itself. I think so. I personally think that it's even more important because the other thing is too, when you think about it, a lot of a lot of podcasts will actually be called something based around just the name of the person doing it, like conversations with with Amy, for example, something like that. And people might not really know who that person is even necessarily. But then the first thing that you do when you look at a podcast episode, typically you'll open it and scroll through like the first handful of episodes that come up to see what the episodes are about. So to me, that's even more important than the title of the podcast itself. 
And that's something that people can get stuck on again for months. Cover artwork, microphones, and podcast names can tie people up for months and even years <laughs> because they get so stuck on it. And I get it because it feels like a struggle sometimes. But the other thing to remember is you can change both your cover artwork and your title. You Pretty can change easily. your mic too. Like <laughs> you can change I've all I've done like almost all of yes. those things already. <laughs> no, it's funny. That's what I was going to say is like, don't get hung up on it because if you decide you want to change it, you can always change it. Yeah. I mean, nothing is ever set in stone. And, and you can use that to your advantage. You can like do some big, huge rebrand totally. and like make it a celebration again, like <laughs> yeah, a totally. big thing. Yeah. You can be like a marketing unicorn. So yeah, don't stress about that. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And then one more question I had to, and if you don't know the answer to this, that's fine. Do podcasts come up? Like, do they rank in search engines? Are they helpful with SEO? Do you know? So it depends which you mean like Google SEO, right? Yeah. As opposed to like yeah. Apple so, podcast SEO. So for example, if somebody is searching like how to create a podcast in 2020, and that's what I title this one that you're listening to right now, would this potentially come up as an answer for them? I know you know what SEO means, but just in case somebody doesn't. Yes, it definitely can. I know that some of my episodes definitely have. The only thing that I'm not sure of is that uh, a common question is to ask about show notes and should I have them? Shouldn't I have them? I like to have them as an option because again, that's really helpful for things like monetization because then you can put certain links right in there. You know, this is how you get my, my offer. This is my coaching package, whatever. I personally have show notes directly on my website. So I just don't know if the reason why I come up in all kinds of SEO is tied into that or if it's, I don't think it is though, because I've seen, I've seen episodes of mine come up with just a handful of, of keywords that aren't even my website. It's my episode, but it's on different players and stuff that are coming up in the Google search engine. So I believe that you're still pretty good with SEO. I think that Google has also been pouring a lot of money into podcasting the last year or two, and they're planning on pouring more over the next couple of years. So I would actually expect that to only continue to improve. I think that show notes are related to a degree But I think that either way, once you are getting out there enough and once you're established enough that those episodes, if you have particular keywords or something like that, that they are going to start to come up in the search engine. Amazing. So last question, if somebody is thinking about starting a podcast in 2020, what is your advice to them? Not to overthink it, not to overthink it. And to, I mean, Amy, you're so good at encouraging people on this front to like to take the imperfect action to go ahead, to not stress about things like the microphone, all those things that we've talked about today. Um, if, I hope that everyone walks away from this thinking that podcasting feels a little bit more doable because I just want to take some of the fear out of it. I am not special. I am not tech savvy. I'm like not any of those things. <laughs> and somehow I have managed to launch not one, but two podcasts. And I'm like well over 200 episodes deep at this point. And if I can do it, somebody else can do it too. It doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect lead in because I want to talk about your upcoming course. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So it's called podcasting for impact. Because as I was talking about earlier, impact is what it comes down to for me, because making an impact in somebody's life, that is more valuable than anything to me. And it's also a really great way to create raving customers too. Like if we're talking about the monetization side of things, that's a beautiful way to create those raving fans. And Kevin Kelly has always talked about a thousand true fans. So you don't have to have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers to make a business. You can have a really small number of followers and have just a massive impact to change people's lives. And 
you can do it through a podcast. So the course walks you through all of the technical, more scary things like how to edit and all of that stuff walks you through, you know, the naming microphones, all of those different things that often bring up questions, everything up to the monetization, how to put yourself in front of more eyes, the publicity side of things, the promotion, um, how to launch, how to submit the podcast to different things. And that's really what it all comes down to and how to build greater connection with your audience and to create episodes and kind of structure episodes in a way that are going to show vulnerability, but also protecting your energy too. I actually have an entire module in the course around protecting your energy because since vulnerability is becoming a bit of a buzzword, a little bit kind of like authentic has been. Mm-hmm. I feel like authentic was like the word of 2018 and 2019. I don't know. <laughs> vulnerability, I feel like is like the big thing now. And it's amazing. And I think the vulnerability is a beautiful thing, but I think it can also be used as a bit of a commodity at this point. And that we need to be careful that we aren't being vulnerable for vulnerability's sake. And that when we are vulnerable on something like a podcast, then when people reciprocate and are showing up in our DMs and and pouring out their stories and stuff like that, we still have to protect ourselves first. That's why I made an entire module in the course around it. Because if you're podcasting for impact, you probably are showing up with some vulnerable shit to say. And that's an amazing thing, but you still have to have some boundaries too. And we're finding that line for yourself on what's a share and what's an overshare too. So I think that that's all really important. And that's, is just been drawn on all of my experience with two different podcasts and coming out with some very deep, heavy topics about my personal life and what I have drawn from that. But I've just made so many incredibly beautiful connections with people because of it. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you're speaking my language. I feel like I wish this course existed a couple years ago when I was like telling myself all of these reasons why it was going to be so hard. (laughs) And you guys know how much of a fan I am of courses because yeah, like I totally believe in you if you wanted to spend the next year, you know, figuring out how to do all the podcasting stuff on your own. But why not have an expert like walk you through the process and show you how to do it? And do you have a amount of time that people usually are able to launch their podcast in? I usually encourage people to launch within about six to eight weeks. Because I I think that if you take too long with it, you can get stuck in the perfectionism and stuff like that. So, and it's very doable. I promise you it's very doable within the six to eight weeks. If you take longer, that's totally fine. I just, I never want people to like get stuck in the mud on the details. Yeah, totally. Well, I will definitely be linking to her course in the show notes. And do you want to just tell everybody where they can come find you and learn more from you and stalk you if they want to? (laughs) All the stalking. (laughs) All the internet stalking. (laughs) So I'm over at Emily Goff Coach on Instagram, um, emilygoffcoaching.com. And the Room to Grow podcast is where you can find me hanging out most often other than the gram, obviously. Uh, Yeah, Room to Grow podcast. It's all over there. (laughs) Amazing. Well, you guys, if this podcast was helpful for you, make sure to screenshot it and share it on Instagram. That helps both of us to reach more people and get this message about podcasting out to the masses. So make sure you tag me at Rebel Nutrition and at Emily Goff Coach. (laughs) Uh, And we will definitely, well, I don't know about you. I usually repost people when they share me. So we'll probably share the love back to you if you repost us. So thank you guys again so much for listening and I'll be back next week. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> <laughs>